What's up and welcome to Wait Hold Up Podcast with Jessica Molina and Yarel Ramos. Each week, tune in as we have unfiltered conversations about careers, relationships, wellness, feminism, and of course, we'll often be joined by guests you either know or should know who will share their humor, knowledge, and their very own Wait Hold Up moments with us. Here at Wait Hold Up, we want you to feel like you found your crew, your girls who you can do life with. Listen, it's a crazy world out there, and we can all use some help in our efforts to live our best lives. We don't have all the answers, but we're down to figure it out together. Thanks for listening. Here's our latest episode of Wait, Hold Up. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Wait Holds Up. Thank you for joining us today. Yarel, how are you? I am doing well, Jess. How are you doing? I am good. You know, it is one of those days where I woke up thinking it was Friday and it's definitely not. So it was kind of sad, but <laughs> we're almost there. We're almost, we're almost there. there. We are almost there. You know, um, today's episode, we get to talk about food. Yay! So I'm... Healthy food. Healthy mm. food. So I'm super, super pumped about that. Um, Just looking at the, at the gram, I'm like, I want it all. I, I know. I want it all. For real. For real. And I think, you know, what has been the craziest thing you've ever done diet-wise? Or like food-wise? Mm. I was vegan for like a month and a half. <laughs> I, 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 been, I told you about that. And I couldn't because I love prosciutto, so I would sneak prosciutto into my vegan diet, and it was just, it just wasn't working. Um, I don't know. I tried grasshoppers. I eat gra- I eat, I would eat grasshoppers when I went to Oaxaca. Good? They were really good. They're very crunchy. They're like chicharron kind of. Yeah, they're just like, you know a little, a little. They have a little kick. How did that become a thing? Um, Do you know? I don't know. I'm like, I just, I'm, I just, I'm sorry. I want to get into the yeah, history yeah, I of just how. Don't, I know it's a thing. So I think that's the craziest thing I tried. I will. You know what? I, I take that back. In Mazatlan, where my family's from, I was like 15 years old. And my aunt that I love, she's a saint. She doesn't. She's a saint. She serves me a bowl of this soup. Right. And she and she's like the best cook. So whatever she serves me, I'm going to eat that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She serves me a bowl of soup. And she's like, you know, eat, you know, eat it. It's fish. And I'm like, hmm, hmm, eating it. So it's so oh, this is great fish. It tastes so nice. And then later she's like, oh, you know what it is? And I'm like, what? She's like, it's actually, you can't eat, like, it's, you're not supposed to be eating it. And I'm like, what the? Oh she's like, God. it's turtle. But <gasps> you know, and, and I'm like, Thea, are you kidding me? You know that they're like, they're about to all die. Like, she's like, I know, but there's an area here where they're growing them. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm eating an endangered species. Mind you, half the soup was gone. Of right? course. And I'm like, how dare you? You were like the, a saint. You would not do this. She's like, I know, but, you know, we really wanted you to try them. And, like, but we why? made it for you. And I was just, it, I, I couldn't eat it anymore. Oh. It was, I don't know if it's in, uh, the region where my family's from in the Pacific Ocean. There's areas where they're, you know, obviously they raise them. They grow yeah. these turtles. And for I'm like. For consumption. For consumption, yeah. So I was like, oh, my God. I felt so bad. I was 
I'm like, what is going on? Who is my aunt? Like, it's crazy how there are certain foods that society has deemed like it's cool if you eat this, right? But it's not if you eat this, and how it changes so much dependent on where you grew up, absolutely, right? Absolutely. Um, because I felt that way when I found out what a morcilla was. What is a morcilla? Which is a blood sausage, and I the first time I ever saw my blood sausage. Yeah. So like, it's literally you stuff an intestine like the intestines i i may be getting this wrong but basically yes it's pork and with rice and you put it back in the lining and of whatever the heck the lining is and then you like dip it in blood and then fry it and i remember the first time i saw my aunt making it with my cousin and there was like blood all over their aprons and i loved morcillas but the you moment that eat I eat it with what with like like you just I mean they're they they you the way that they cook up I guess now that I know because of the blood on the exterior <laughs> it gets was super crispy oh and I like love crispy foods I love foods that are semi burns like that's just mm, delicious yeah and mm. yes so you can eat that by itself you can eat it with like arroz con gandules like you can just have it like however some people put it on um like some toast you know and you have it like that but you just eat it. And it depends on, you just eat it however you want. And I grew up eating them. And now I'm like, I can't, knowing what it is and just how it's You prepared, haven't had it? Like, I haven't because I just got so, like, terrified. And I think also as you get older, like, there's all these foods that, like, our families find so traditional. Yeah, yeah. And then you get oh. older and you're like, I don't want to have pig's feet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't want to have oxtail, like, whatever it may be. I don't want to I mean, have lengua. And oh God, I just I can't. And I think it's like this, like knowing what it is, is like completely disturbing for me. And now I think also there's the other component of I just want to have food that I know is not harming too many people or or animals and that is not destroying the environment and all of those things. And so the same way. And then also food that's benefit you know has some kind of nutrient for you yeah. you know that it's the idea of it happens to me too being family, conscious being conscious about what i'm eating what i'm drinking what i'm putting in my body yes exactly i think it's like getting to the point of like my food needs to fuel me hmm. and yes. i think that state of consciousness is something that we've spoken about a lot before but we've never spoken about it when it comes to food yeah which is interesting and, yeah because like because we, we're about we eat it all the yeah. time but totally. like, so we're super excited about today's episode because we get to talk to someone who was herself admitted a very risky, wild eater, mm-hmm. um, but has gone on to, you know, be more conscious and that consciousness has affected her, her family and her community. So we're super excited because today on the show, we got the chance to talk to Jocelyn Ramirez, who is a plant based chef college professor, yoga instructor, and advocate for healthy food access in her community. Jocelyn founded the plant-based catering company Todo Verde in 2015 with the mission to create delicious and healthy plant-based food inspired by her Mexican and South American roots for the Eastside community. And so many of us, not even just in the Eastside community, have been able to enjoy her food. And we're so excited. We can't wait for you guys to hear this conversation that we got to have with Jocelyn.
Jocelyn, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Excited to have you and to chat with you. You have such a fascinating story and we're just so proud of everything that you're doing for the community and inspiring us all to be uh, healthier and to eat uh, todo verde. So yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. Be uh, more consciously, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think there's something really powerful about just following, you know, people and other women that are doing just really dope things on, on social media. There's something just uh, really meaningful then in connecting with them. And we've seen your your growth throughout the years. Uh, t- talk to us a little bit about your journey and how you started with Todo Verde. Yeah, well, it's going to be five years this year um, that I started Todo Verde. And I really started it because I noticed a severe lack of access to healthy food in, in neighborhoods and communities of color. And um, the the real turning point for me was when I saw that, you know, my dad was facing cancer for the second time. My mom got diagnosed with high cholesterol. I was dealing with a thyroid issue. And as I was like driving across town trying to find healthy food options, like going literally to like a Whole Foods on the West Side, I was like, this is not right. Like, why am I driving across town to find superfood items that are native to my culture like i'm trying mm. to go find like cacao and maca and like all these superfoods chia seeds but i have to drive all the way across town to get it so that really for me was like a big trigger in that i needed to do something about it but i didn't know at that point like what that meant and so little by little i started thinking about like well what if i you know did food what if i started really small um and i and i did that at local farmers markets across the city um started with superfood smoothies and agua fresca and i would use produce that i would purchase from the farmers there at the market so it was like a win-win where like i would come in and bring all the superfood all the plant-based milks and then you know promote essentially the farmers that were there as well um and little by little i started getting more uh people like aware of just I guess starting the conversation of like how to eat healthier Mm -hmm. um, and how to be mindful of the things that we put into our body and eventually we um, got access to a kitchen space where we can start producing savory food items so we've been doing like you know things like now our mole and jackfruit and ceviche um, for maybe about the past like three and a half years and so that was a big turning point uh, for Todo Verde where we started catering everything now from like weddings to nonprofit events and fundraisers to you know a little bit of everything so that's amazing it's been a cool journey yeah for sure and just to give some context um you you know for people who aren't from los angeles um or the west coast at all can you talk a little bit about like the community that you grew up in and what that meant for you that there was such like a distance you know like where are you speaking about when you say like you had to travel yeah Uh, so i was you know I guess let me start with saying like I grew up in Southeast LA, which is a suburb just southeast literally of downtown. And uh, when you drive around that neighborhood that I grew up in, you see a lot of liquor stores, fast food chains, um, some grocery stores here and there. Um, Some people would consider that to be a food desert because it has little to no access to healthy food. For me, it's kind of crazy that you're saying that Southeast LA would be considered a food desert because in my mind I always thought of it as like somewhere in like middle America that was super rural that was maybe isolated like by an hour and a half to a major city yeah and you're talking about somewhere that was not far from a major city absolutely a major city yeah, yeah. absolutely and uh, that's the really interesting thing about Los Angeles uh is that 
there's like this very stark difference between East Side and West Side. Mm, um, you know, like I, w- I just did a panel discussion today and we were talking a lot about South L.A. and how there's the same or similar amount of grocery stores in South L.A. as there are in West L.A. Uh, but there's double the amount of residents in South L.A. than there are in West L.A. Wow. Mm. So, y- you know, it and also the quality of the ingredients that you find there in neighborhoods like south la east side of la are like grade b and c like categories of produce so it means like it's stuff that's already starting to wilt or to like bruise a little bit like it's not the same type of quality things that you can find on the west side and these are like south la would be more like poor immigrant communities like is that yeah low-income communities of color Mm -hmm. um and you know the thing is that it's it's a structural issue like it's not just like oh we happen to live in this neighborhood and that's just the way it is it's like there's like redlining that has happened um you know many years ago throughout the city and it's it's been very purposeful to making sure that people stay low income and in their in their lane essentially Mm -hmm. um and that they eat foods that you know others might consider to be poison or Mm -hmm. toxic Mm -hmm. to our bodies and it's you know because people don't want us to succeed people don't want us to live long healthy lives and so that was a huge trigger for me you know as I was driving across town over and over like trying to figure out how to get my family healthy you know um and I was like why why are things this way and you know for me it just meant like I had to play my role within that system and and if I could do something small and maybe it'll get bigger and bigger you know that that is something right Right. like that's my little like granito Mm -hmm. that I can put in but you know even as I feel like Todo Verde has grown it's still just a drop in the bucket compared to like what really needs to happen which is structural change the systemic just the system Mm -hmm. the way it is tell us about talk to us about your upbringing like did you did you grow up in a home where you guys cooked a lot Mm -hmm. did you learn a lot of these recipes growing up did you study um uh be like you know did you, yeah culinary school, school. Your background? yeah <laughs> all these things i know <laughs> yeah. like, i told you i was yeah. we sent her a document I was like, we got a lot <laughs> of questions lot about. Yeah. yeah well um the household that i grew up in both of my parents worked full-time my dad was a business owner so he worked many hours and my mom worked for a yogurt company um at yoplate um and so she worked there a lot too so my brother and i were latchkey kids where we would come home from school and we would make ourselves like top ramen or cup of noodles or something like really easy to hold us over before dinner. And my mom would cook sometimes if she wasn't like too tired. But if she was, she'd do, you know, things like pick up Subway for us or El Pollo Loco. Those were like kind of the healthier staples in mm-hmm. terms of fast food that we ate. Um, but that's kind of how we grew up. And when my mom did cook, which like cooking wasn't her favorite thing to do. Mm. Um, I think she was always a little bit self-conscious about the food because my dad's Ecuadorian and she's Mexican and he doesn't like Chile and I don't even know how their relationship works to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, and so like he, she would cook something and he'd complain about mm. it. And so I think that it just made her super self-conscious that her cooking wasn't good. Mm. Um, and so she'd prefer to like just take little shortcuts here and there and make things kind of easier. Um, but the traditional food when she did go all out is like, food from Zacatecas that's where my my family is from on the Mexican side so it's a lot of guisados a lot of pipian and stuff like that and um 
and I would make stuff mostly with my grandmother when we would go to her house like for any like family gatherings or holidays like it was just helping her like grind the chiles or do whatever that needed to be happen or needed to be done um, and then in terms of culinary school I didn't go to like a formal culinary school I like to consider like my training with my abuelita as like my mm, culinary training yeah. which I think is real like for sure. some people have asked me like they see an article that comes out about Todo Verde and, and like recently somebody was like who did you train with like were, what restaurant or what chef were you under and I'm like no, my abuelita. No, my <laughs> like, grandma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's your abuelita's name? Beatriz. Abuelita yeah. Beatriz. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chef Beatriz. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Um, and But I did go to uh, Matthew Kenny's culinary school in Venice here in L.A. And uh, that school was like all around like plant-based, like raw vegan cooking. So it was a lot of like nut-based cheeses and just like a bunch of like cool recipes that I had never explored. So it was just like another element that I think I needed for like the plant-based version of what I wanted to cook. So I really want to get into more about you being an entrepreneur. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about your journey with food then, because it doesn't sound like you grew up, right. you know, in this health conscious environment. And I think that that's the experience of a lot of us. You yeah. know, I remember having spam. I remember, oh, yeah. you know, cup like noodles. cup of yeah. noodles, just like what was oh, quick gosh. and yeah. All hella processed mm -hmm. right that was like a lot of and i get it like I'm, I'm not i'm not blaming anyone but i think like as we've gotten older we've become more aware and a lot more conscious and we're trying to bring that then to our families so for you um before you were vegan you were vegetarian for a bit so how did you decide that you wanted to become vegetarian and then become vegan and how, you know how did you adapt was it yeah, easy it was not your family take it yeah I mean so the first step for me to become vegetarian was really like I noticed a series of things happening one of them was like I got diagnosed with a thyroid issue um and a lot of doctors were asking me to or not asking me telling me that I needed to take it out to have surgery and get it removed and I was like absolutely not like there has to be a solution. And so I really started to like investigate a bit more online and in books, trying to figure out how to heal a thyroid gland, um, which controls like all the hormones throughout your mm -hmm. body. Um, and so one of them was like looking more towards like a plant forward diet. And the other thing was that I just was like not feeling well in my body. So like I was like the queen of tacos back in the day. So mm -hmm. like a new taquero was popping up and sure enough, like I was there standing in line waiting to eat. I was going to ask you that that's what your diet consisted of. Oh, a yeah. Lot of, a lot of protein, a, lot, a of meat. lot of meat. Um, And so, you know, I and I was also the person who would eat a little bit of everything. So like if they sold like tacos de ojo, like I was eating that type of taco. Damn, like, girl, I know. Yeah. Tacos de ojo are heavy. <laughs> so I was I'm eating. Scared. Yeah, I'm scared. <laughs> So, you know, if, if Jonathan Gold wrote about something or Anthony Bourdain, like, sure enough, I was there. Like, so you were a foodie. Yeah, okay. yeah. Like, you've been a foodie for... Absolutely. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then one thing that I just started to notice is, like, I was just, like, after eating that type of food, like, I just wasn't feeling good. Like, my eyes were red and burning. Like, it was almost, like, too much sodium or, like, too much in my system. And then, like, my stomach would just not deal well with it and, like, not digest properly. And so I was like, okay, like, that's not working. I literally don't feel good. Um, and so that just pushed me to start slow steps, which was, okay, I'm not going to buy any meat to 
produce food at home with meat products. So if I want to eat meat, I have to go out and eat it. And so that was kind of like step one. And then like as I was going out and eating these meat things that I wanted to have, I'd be like, oh, like the, the chicken was super dry. Like it wasn't even worth it or this or that. And like I started to think about like the best meat I had ever eaten of like that type of meat and how nothing can top it. So like, why even try? So I was just trying to like do all these like Jedi mind tricks on Mm -hmm, myself mm -hmm. to kind of slowly get me to phase that out. Eventually I got to the point where I did become vegetarian. And then, um, I, I was never like a huge fan of like eggs and dairy and cheese. Anyway, I later found out that I've been lactose intolerant for Mm. my life. And which explains why I would like eat cereal with milk. And then like my stomach would just blow up on Mm. me, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, over time, like I was like, I can slowly phase these things out of my diet. But then I went to an indigenous veganism workshop led by my now mentor, Claudia Serato, and she really broke down veganism in a way that I just hadn't heard before, um, in a way that like really resonated with me. And that was a turning point where I was like, okay, to, yeah, today moving forward, like I'm really going to focus on trying to eat more plant-based. Um, but Like I tell everyone who starts that journey is like not to be hard on yourself. Like if, you know, you're trying to be more plant based, but, you know, one day your tia brings like a, you know, tamal made with queso from your other tia in Mexico. Like have that tamal, you know, like Mm -hmm. don't be so rigid, especially if like you're just starting, because I think people feel like, oh, no, like I'm making a huge mistake if I eat that or the, the guilt and the shame of it when I feel like that's not the way plant-based living should be mm-hmm. you know it should be trying to be better but if you have a day where you're a little bit off it's then okay. it's okay yeah no judgment around it yeah I think the vegan community has gotten the rap of being like very aggressive yeah, yeah. and you know, there's like funny memes about it but it's also like I think that there is that sense of like you know if you're not showing yourself any compassion or you're not showing other people compassion then like isn't that the whole point of even like eating in a manner that's like compassionate towards animals? Yeah, like shouldn't we then be compassionate towards absolutely. the people? <laughs> yeah. I recently, I have a friend who runs a plant-based event um, and she posted like screenshots of somebody who was pretty much bashing her because she had a cat and that cat eats animals, right? Cause cat food, mm-hmm. cats eat other animals, right? And how could she own a cat? or have a cat in her house if that cat is not vegan. I was like, oh my gosh. They're like just trying to find ways to like break people down, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it's over the top for me, you know? That's, I mean, I I love the fact that you're sharing that because I was vegan for a month and a half. (laughs) (laughs) And then prosciutto, (laughs) they just showed me a plate and I just could not. I yes. mean, I could not. I think there was a in thing. In the morning, just, she was vegan. Yeah, yeah. In the evening, evening she was, like, was prosciutto oh. stuffing. Oh, her face. for sure. But <laughs> it I, happens. It, you know, I think I. It was one of those uh, moments that I'm like watching a lot of documentaries, like just like mm. learning about it, and you're yeah. like, okay, you know what, this is it, and then realizing that your body adapts to food differently. You know, and like yeah. it's some things, like you say, if you're lactose intolerant, then maybe that's what you need to like put aside and change the ways your your body acts and reacts to food. Um, So I love that. I love that you touched on that because, yeah, I feel like we can sometimes be really tough on each other when we're not following certain, you know, 
food ideas or food trends and right. you know not to be judgmental and to be easy whenever even it's like the diet when people go on a diet and you have a day yeah I'll, you know have some chocolate like don't don't let that completely take you off it you like know what derails, I mean? derails people yeah, yeah. that's it I'm, this is not for me and you're like no it's just piece of chocolate anyway yeah. <laughs> um i love for you to talk to, uh, to us because i know you know we, we talk a lot about being an entrepreneur being like a woman trying to do something different in the community but how was it for you to tell your family or like include your family in these conversations of eating plant-based yeah i mean initially they thought i was crazy because they knew i was like that person who was like always eating tacos and eating like all the crazy food so like friends and family were just like what like you out of all people um but over time like they slowly started to see that it wasn't as bad as they had imagined it to be so I was really focusing on at all the family parties and holiday gatherings on like making the dishes that we had already been eating that were like family Mm. recipes and just trying to tweak them to be vegetarian or vegan. And it was after like a couple, like maybe Thanksgivings or Christmases where they were like, this was like the best Thanksgiving dinner we ever had where I was like, yeah, this like it, it could be possible, you know? And like, you don't miss it, uh, or don't miss the meat. And so that was like little steps that were getting closer to like, I guess the goal. Right. Um, but really when my dad was diagnosed with cancer for the second time, that was like a big turning point because my dad was like, I'm trying to live, you know, mm-hmm. like, what do I need to do to like, how old was he? Ooh, he was probably like in his seventies cause mm-hmm. he's, he just turned 80. Um, so yeah, he's a little bit of an older dude, you know? And he was like, maybe like early seventies, um and he was just like you know I want to see my grandchildren grow up like I need to I need to change something and so he really let me like like just take over take over the kitchen do whatever you need to do like throw out anything you want and then I literally walked them through farmers markets through Whole Foods through Trader Joe's like I literally bought like a carton of coconut milk almond milk like oat milk every milk that they had that was plant-based and I had them sample, like we took it home and they tried each one. And I was like, I want you to figure out which plant-based milk you like, because mm-hmm. I, I want you to buy that all the time. And then you'd forget about the cow milk, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And so it was just like identifying what their palate was like, right. you know? So it's, it's really like tweaking that. And like the palate's really interesting because, you know, some of the things that we eat as adults, like we would have never eaten as kids or babies, right? right? And so your palate really adapts to like things like we mentioned earlier, like the prosciutto or whatever it is. Right. Um, And so it's really retraining the palate, which is interesting because I like to think about it as like this, like little two inch piece of muscle that you have in your mouth. That's like controlling everything else that happens in your body because like you want that flavor Mm. and it's like a little muscle, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like you can work that muscle the same way you would any other muscle in your body to like retrain it to do what you want or to you know now start to think that oh my gosh like that tastes too salty or that's too sweet Mm -hmm. or that is too fatty for my palate like you can make those adjustments again but it really takes a lot of discipline yeah um so you know i obviously you did a lot of this for like health benefits did you see a change in your thyroid like how did the like changing your father's uh, diet also help him? Yeah. So for my dad, um, we had about, I think it was like a good solid three weeks before he was going to have a major surgery. 
Um, and it was going to be very invasive. Like they were cutting out literally like a piece of his throat and mm. recreating it with skin grafts and stuff like that. So he was going to have a feeding tube. It was going to be crazy. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to try to get you as healthy as I can before that. So that way you go into the surgery and you're like pretty strong. And a couple weeks in, like we went for another checkup before his surgery. And even his doctors are like, what are you doing? Like mm. this, like this is incredible. Like they, they just didn't see the progression that they had been seeing in previous weeks, but also like they were just noticing that even his like other things that he was dealing with, like his other ailments, like diabetes were just like very minimal compared to what they were before. So they were really shocked by the results. And then, and then for me and my thyroid, I mean, it's been years in the making, but like I've been getting it monitored by a doctor now who's like, not wanting me to take it out immediately and like really checking it to make sure. So I have these like little nodules and every time they did an ultrasound, they would keep growing like every six months to a year, they were bigger and bigger. And the last two rounds they've been shrinking, but it's been years. So, you know, to anybody who is out there and thinks like, oh, okay, like I'm going through this health stuff. Yeah. I'm going to try plant-based for mm -hmm. like three months. I mean, that's great. If you do that, it's a, it's a little reboot to your system. Um, but yeah, you know, expect. it's, it's definitely what I consider to be like a lifestyle shift. Mm. It's not a diet. It's not a fad. It's not just like a summer thing you're doing or beginning of the year, like, you know, resolution or whatever. It's like a lifestyle that you commit to. Um, and you hope that it brings benefits to your body. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's awesome. I think it's challenging, but I think yeah. to your point that it's like, it's absolutely something that if you're willing to make the adjustments for yourself, like I did that with sugar. Like I actually just put some honey in my tea and I rarely do that. And I find this to be really, really sweet now mm -hmm. because I've changed my palate and my relationship mm -hmm. to sugar mm -hmm. over time um, for my own reasons, all health related. Right. So I think like that is really possible. And what I love so much is that you saw this as an opportunity for you to help your family and now it's gone to community yeah. mm -hmm. and that is insanely powerful and I just want to you know talk a little bit about what the community's response has been to your food and if you have any crazy like really interesting stories because I think that so many people forget it's like a lot of it comes down to just seasoning and so this yeah. idea also we need to take away this idea that like being vegan is like something white people do because it's doing us such a disservice. And I know it's like something like a joke every now and then where it's like, ah, that's some white people shit. But it's like ultimately we're doing ourselves a disservice right. when we continue to like put the things that tend to be healthy or beneficial like therapy, eating well, rock climbing, whatever it may be yeah. and saying, oh, that's what white people do. Like, no, like we're reclaiming because this is actually super ancestral Absolutely. and like goes back generations mm -hmm. and it's not what white people do. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, that's definitely like all the things that come together for me when I think about Todo Verde, like the seasoning comment that you brought up. Like one time I was working with a chef and we were both pretty much agreeing that like if you ate pork, beef, chicken, whatever it is that you liked with like zero seasoning, you likely wouldn't even want to eat it. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be good. And the right. reason we like those things is because of the, the plants that make it taste good. So if you apply those same techniques, the same care, to a plant-based version of that same seasoned recipe, you'll probably get good results with it. You'll probably still like the flavor of it. So, you know, it's really like making sure that you like take your time, like roasting it or whatever, seasoning it to make it taste really good. 
Um, so yeah, there's like so many different layers to it. And like the other thing that you mentioned about like things being for white people specifically, like that's a huge thing because a lot of people think, oh, you're plant-based. You're just going to eat kale salad forever. You're just going to eat your espinacas or whatever it is. And it's like, no, yeah, exactly. And it's not that like, I mean, I mentioned Claudia Serato earlier in her indigenous veganism workshop that really like changed my view on veganism. But like what she has taught me and like what I continue to learn about is that, you know, our ancestors were mostly plant-based. Like this is a decolonized way of eating. Like before we were colonized by Spaniards, we were not eating chicken or beef or pork. Like we didn't even have those things here. Mm. So when people think like, oh, that's our traditional food, it's actually not our traditional food at all. Like we were mostly eating plant-based. We were eating like other animals here and there more around ceremony, um, in special occasions. So it wasn't like an everyday staple in our diet. So it's just really like reclaiming that and not thinking like, oh, it has to be like a white version of eating healthy. It's our version. It's always been our version. Yeah. I love that. And you mentioned that you started with smoothies, that you started with aguas frescas. And did this come out of nowhere for you? Like, uh, you know, after going through this journey for yourself and your family, then you're like, oh, maybe sharing this with other people, opening a kitchen. Talk to us about that, about that journey. Yeah. So I, um, before I quit my full-time job, because I, I was working at a university before I started Todo Verde, and my parents thought I was like absolutely crazy to quit that job. But I took a good year before I quit to like figure out the recipes and try to think like, oh, what ingredients pair well together and like like how much of this, how much of that. And I did a series of focus groups with friends and family. And I was like, like, be serious with me. Like, try this. Is it too, is it not cold enough? Is it this enough? Would you pay this much money for it? Would you come back and buy it again? Like, I was just trying to figure out everything to develop those recipes And slowly they started to like form together, you know? So it was really like a big part of my life of like figuring out not just the recipes, but like the business plan and applying for farmer's markets and saving money. Um, And then not knowing any of this, right? Like coming from a space where you don't even know how to go about these, these areas. Yeah. I mean, well, there, I did have a little bit of that background. Mm. So Todo Verde is my third business. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, okay. Okay, girl. Okay. Then we did. Yeah. And I also do have a master's in business. So like I, I do have a little bit of that background, but a lot of it and it w- none of it was in food. So, you know, th- there's a lot within food that I'm definitely learning. And in any business, like you could only learn so much until you're actually in it, in it right. you know, until you're like doing the everyday operations. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I knew that I needed to like figure out a solid plan and then my plan was like literally like phase one, like start at farmer's markets just with drinks essentially. And then phase two would be, you know, savory foods using a kitchen. Phase three is to open up a restaurant. And I'm like still struggling to get to phase three, but it's been like a gradual process. Yeah, that's really incredible. So you've always had this sort of like entrepreneurial business spirit yeah well what were your other businesses before you started todo verde which by the way the name todo verde is freaking perfect yeah amazing it is so good you're gonna Mm -hmm. laugh when you hear what it was gonna be oh Oh my god tell us tell us (laughs) because i was so like really focused on like food justice and then it was gonna be this juice company at first 
So I also registered the name Justice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the La Verde. For sure. Yeah. I was like, oh what was I thinking? Gosh. That name is still registered. <laughs> but I, it's, I, if you want to buy it off of her, holler. Yeah. yeah, I know, right? I'll put my number. I know, for my real. My number down after this. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I chose Todo Verde because I was like, that's more well-rounded. If I want to do these other phases later, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it really allows for me to do to be a little bit more broad than just juice. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's 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 funny how like all the things evolved and even getting the logo to where it is like that's even been like an evolution. evolution, Yeah, Yeah. like there's so many little things. And the other two businesses that I had before, the first one was um, right after undergrad, a couple of friends and myself started an event production company or an event design company. So, for example, like if Todo Verde was just starting and I was a client of that company, like they would go to that company and we would do like the logo, the website, a launch event, um, like whatever, you know, merchandise, clothing, like whatever needed to happen. That was part of what we did. And uh, we did that for about a year. And then I was like, this is a lot of fun. We were very creative, but I was like, I don't really think we're like making that much money. Like I want to go back and get a master's in business. And I ended up doing that. Um, and then shortly after I started another business that was mostly e-commerce based, um, and it was a jewelry design company. Mm. And so that was a a lot of fun too. Like it was very creative. Um, but I think the thing for me that wasn't working out there was that I just felt like I wasn't really like making an impact, Mm. you know, like it was fun, but like, was it impacting any way, like anyone in any way, like positively, negatively, like it just was there. And so I knew that if I'm going to put my energy into something, I want it to be like for the greater good, essentially. So are you enjoying this process? Yeah, definitely. Because I feel like, you know, I feel like people resonate with it, Mm -hmm. you know, and I feel like I didn't know the impact that it would have. um, But it's just like it's it's bigger than like Jocelyn and Todo Verde. It's like we our communities like needed something like this yeah. you know to just have a conversation around it and i think that if we can be a stepping stone to that conversation like it's totally worth it you know and it's crazy to get like the emails of you know like i recently got an email from somebody who was like the subject was like cancer healing question mark and like i can't say i have the cure for cancer and you know even though like my dad did significantly improve because of the plant-based eating like like, you know, legally, I can't be like, eat this and that because yeah. it's going to cure your cancer. But and he was still seeing a doctor. Absolutely. And he had surgery and he was doing yeah. those things. So, yeah, I think right. that that's a really great point to bring up, that this is something that you sh- can go hand in hand yeah, with, with whatever you're doing. Yeah, with yeah. Whatever their science is happening. Yeah. Person, right. But yeah, it's been interesting to see like how much people almost like pull us in like help mm. help with the situation mm. you know and and this is why i stress that it's not like a sos like this is the end i need help now this is a every day like for the rest of my life i choose to live in this lifestyle mm-hmm. you know so it's it's more preventative than it is like catching things before it's too late absolutely you mentioned um because I met you like a, a, a while back and we met when we you were just kicking off Todo Verde and it was, you know, you were doing a lot more events. And I remember you mentioning to me like, oh, the idea is that I want to have 
a restaurant. And I know that throughout time that was, that was manifesting for you. You -hmm. just mentioned right now that it was, it's been like a few hurdles. Tell us about the process of growing a business, you know, having all these ideas, having all the support from friends, from community, from family, and, you know, kind of overpassing these hurdles, but continuing on with your, with your purpose, with your goal. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's tricky when you're, a woman of color in any industry, right? Like a lot of people want to like wait and see what happens. Um, So like it's hard to approach a bank, for example, and say, hey, I have this business. You can see the numbers. I've grown this much percent each, you know, each year. Um, Will you lend me money so that I can open a restaurant? Like they just, they won't, you know? Mm. And so that's been a really tricky process to navigate. One thing that's helped me tremendously in that role of like trying to find a good lender is that I did a crowdfunding campaign about a year and a half ago and we raised $50,000 to open up a brick and mortar location. Now that $50,000 is not everything I need to open a brick and mortar location. Like if anybody out there who's like ever opened a restaurant, like, you know, it's like hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes to build out a restaurant. And so it's just, again, like a, a fraction of what I need. But what I needed that for is to go then to a bank and say, hey, look, I have 50000 and I have 700 people who are waiting for me to open. So mm. you need to lend me money, you know. And That's that was the way that I've been able to I've been now approved for two loans. Um, and, and it's through like a conscious lender too, like they're a nonprofit, they're a credit union. Um, and so that was the way that I was able to piece together the funding part of it. But then the other issue is just finding spaces in Los Angeles, you know, and, and avoiding crazy landlords because, because gentrification is happening in in the communities that are on the East side and the communities that I want to be in, like people are willing to lease something to you, but they want like a month to month lease or they want like a very short term lease. And the reason is like, here I am with the, you know, the crowdfunding money and the money from the bank. I'm going to invest like a hundred thousand or more into your space and like make it an awesome restaurant. And then maybe in six months you kick me out or you raise the rent. Right. And so people are very shady out there and it's hard to find a location that has what you need as a business, but then also, um, you know, where the, where the landlord like really understands mm-hmm. what you're trying to do. Isn't going to do you dirty. But part of that like upsets me because I feel like there's so many brands out there that I see that I'm like, who the heck put a million dollars into this brand? Like, why would you support this brand? Why would you put like investment money? And where is that? Where can I find that money mm-hmm. to support all these amazing businesses that I know of? that you know need it you know what i mean mm-hmm. like damn if i could win the lotto i'm like here jocelyn here's a million dollars let's do it yeah but it's like i i don't know it just baffles me to think about just reviewing things that i, that I see on social media and i'm like why would this com- company get so much funding and then here right. we have this amazing initiative and it's just so hard yeah absolutely and a lot of people who are willing to invest like they want to wait and see how this first one turns out. Mm. So they're like, oh, I'll see how this first restaurant is and then I'll invest in the second one. And you you're like, <laughs> you're like, give okay. me the first one, bro. Yeah. I know, seriously. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like I said, the hurdles, right? right. That you have to jump over right. to get to the end goal. Because for me, the end goal is to have several locations, you know? I want to be able to have a space where like, people can come into like a cool like atmosphere and 
celebrate like a birthday or like a catch up with a good friend or mm. whatever it is that has like healthy, wholesome food. Yeah. Um, or that also like has food demonstrations or workshops or conversations around healthy eating that you feel like resonate with you. I'll be all over it. I know. All like, over. I'm, I'm like, so, yeah, ready, I'm for so this. ready for this. I mean, <laughs> You know, with all of this, um, I think what's, you know, I'm sure if you've been in L.A. and you have, you can catch Jocelyn's food at the Smorgasbord in L.A., right? And That's do right. You, do you guys do that now every Sunday? Every Sunday for the rest of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we always say. <laughs> Forever. And, I mean, your food is just so good. But it's also, you know, as we wait for the million restaurants that we want you to open, you also have a cookbook that's coming out. Yeah. That's right. And I pre-ordered mine. Me too. Yeah, Yarel pre-ordered hers. We will drop information so you guys can go and pre-order yours. But tell us about this cookbook because I am so excited because you guys have no idea. Um, her jackfruit tacos, they, mm-hmm. that recipe's in there, right? It is. Okay, yeah. And the ceviche recipe? It's in there. Oh, yeah. because it's so good. <laughs> it's uh, I'm, My mouth is watering thinking about it. So tell us about this cookbook. Tell us you know, about what people can expect and what inspired you to do this. Yeah, so so many people were asking me for the recipes, especially at food demonstrations or different events that we did uh, or have done over the years that I was like, I have to put this together into a book. Like, even if like, I don't know, it doesn't work out with Todo Verde, at least like the information is out there. Because really it's like not about like Todo Verde, it's about like just giving people like another outlet so that they can make that food at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that, that you're sharing. I you know. Because everybody's always like, no, it's mine. I know. I mean, I you it. think about like, you know, Tesla, for example, like they publish like how they produce their cars mm. because it's not about them being like the only ones who know how to make the type of electric cars that they make, but it's about putting the technology information out there so that collectively like other people can make it and it, creates a bigger impact mm-hmm. and so like that's really the the kind of idea that I'm coming from is that like it's not about like me or Todo Verde or, like hoarding the information because like I don't want people to like know exactly what I'm doing no it's the opposite it's like I want everybody to be making jackfruit whenever they want and for jackfruit to like blow up and be selling everywhere like every market um and so this cookbook is is really like a little bit of that right and it's a 60 recipe cookbook. It's all plant-based. It's called La Vida Verde. And um, I was approached by an East Coast publisher uh, early last year to write the book. And it was a lot of hard work to really get like all the little nitty-gritty details of like putting together a recipe yeah. at home. Um, and so I'm really excited because it's like a little bit of everything, like everything from like, you know, and moladas to the ceviche to different um, cheeses, like a cheese that like melts when you put it on the griddle so you can make quesadillas, Ooh. a chorizo, like all these different things. That sounds, I'm like, yummy. I'm so excited for this. I can't wait for it. It, it comes out April 14th. 14th. That's okay. right. And so it's currently now on pre-sale. And what I found out from my publishing house and like other people who have published books is that pre-sale is like such an important factor in selling books. Like I didn't realize how important it was, um, but apparently it shows the publisher that people are willing to buy this book, spend money on this book, 
without like physically uh-huh. having a copy of it like it because it's nowhere right now it's not in any bookstores at all so it's not like i was in a bookstore and like browsing through it and looking at the photos like i'm literally just looking at a picture of it online mm-hmm. and i'm purchasing and so that shows that they either trust me and my food um or they've been waiting for a book in that category for a while yeah and yeah. this resonates with them and they want to support it so so if you can get that pre-sale yeah, yeah. absolutely and it helps not just me, but it helps people who look like me or who are doing similar things to me who want to write books like this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, like just thinking about like other like women of color, other people doing plant based food, like whatever it may be. It just shows like publishers who are frankly like a little bit old school that like people are willing to invest money into things that are like for and by people of color. And so that for me is like another layer of why I think it's so important, you know, and like why I want to support other authors who are doing similar work, because like we need to be in these all these spaces um, and represented more than we already are. And it's in Spanish. And so right now it's only in English. English, And the way that they work um, is that if English sales do really well, then they'll publish in other languages as well, too. Okay. That's so Cross her fingers so that it sells so well. I know. The hurdles, girl. I know. We got to jump over them hurdles. <laughs> yes, you're doing I'm it. Ready. But you're we, doing but, it. I mean, people appreciate it because you're setting a foundation that is going to then just continue to help yourself and the next generation. Right. And it's going to continue. And, and opening doors, right, for like other, for publishers to be like, yeah, listen up, go in and look for these stories, go and help, you know, these women out because it's just, to me, it, it's, I don't know, like just unreal that there aren't already these books out there and it's like and we want them we buy them and we you know we need them and it's like yeah get on publishing companies like absolutely give us more of, the, give us more of these things because when i looked up plant-based mexican cookbooks there were like no zero. people of color mm. they were ah. all written by white folks ah. okay mm-hmm. that's what happens that's all we'll say right everywhere so with all that you do and because your work is rooted in activism how do you sustain yourself and your sanity yeah. and your mental health? Yeah. Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I mean, it's I'm constantly, especially this year, like seeking more of that balance because I feel like like I'm on a mission, you know, and I'm like, I got to keep going. Like, I can't stop now or, you know, so and so is trying to like collaborate and this would be like a great way to like reach out to more people or have more people learn about Todo Verde, whatever it is. So I feel like I'm constantly on the go and working all the time, like seven days a week, which is why I have this raspy voice and this cold. (laughs) Um, And so like what I've been trying to do more of is like take a step back, um, make sure that I'm like reading more, that I'm doing things that are like all around my self-care, like getting massages, taking baths. Little by little, I'm like trying to incorporate it into like more of my routine because mm-hmm. it used to be a part of my routine, but yeah. I've slowly been like, oh, I don't have time for that. Like, I need to do this instead. And it's just like, you know, it would be a shame for me, especially like to be on this journey of like, oh, like, I, you know, I want to spread more of this information about like being plant based. And then I get sick. Right. This because health, I'm this stressed. Health, right. You know. Right. And so it's it's really like I mentioned earlier, like this whole entire lifestyle, you know. Um, and so I really have to remind myself to ground again, to like yeah. ground myself because I could float and like keep going and get lost in the ideas, which is exciting. 
Um, but I mean, there has to be a time and a place for everything. And, and you mentioned self-care, which we always talk about here on the podcast because, you know, like we're always, we're all on the grind and we're all hustling it out. What are those things that you enjoy the most? How do you disconnect? How do you, you know, calm down from that cloud? I mean, I, I really enjoy reading when I make the time for it. And mm-hmm. when I have a good book in front of me, like I just finished reading this book, which I recommend literally to everyone. Tell it's us. called The Untethered Soul. Uh, it's written by Michael Singer, and it's really talking about how um, we as humans like think of ourselves as a, as a feeling or an emotion. Like right now, I'm angry, I'm anxious, I'm this, I'm that, or like we own those things as if like we are those things, right? Um, but really, they're just like emotions that are passing through, right. and right. how you can notice that yeah. that it's passing through you and release yeah. it so that you're you know you ultimately come back to like that soul that's not tethered by all these like other factors that want to tie you up or or get your brain going and starting to like get lost in the questions and why this and why that or i'm not good enough or so and so is doing it better that's not you Mm. right that's just you getting caught up with the emotions that are not you um, so that book is really great. Right now I'm reading a book by Channing Nicholas. Uh, which I is, love her. Yeah, she just came out with a book called You Were Born for This. Um, so it's about getting deeper into your birth chart. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> mm, okay, um, you write that one down. Okay. And then another thing that I've been doing for self-care is that I realized over the years that a lot of my stress manifests in my left shoulder. Um, and, uh, you know, last year got really bad because I was sitting so much writing the book. And I shrug my shoulders forward Mm. and, you know, I've tried massages. I do yoga and it just wasn't enough. And my shoulder would literally like have weeks where it would like go out. Like I couldn't move my neck. It was just like manifesting like way too much. So I started doing physical therapy at the end of last year to like really get to the root of the issue. And so that's another thing that I'm like, I'm committed to that. And it's literally improved. Like it's probably like 85% better. Like I still have some ways to go. But I've just been like, I'm going to go to physical therapy every week. Um, I just started um, therapy therapy um, just maybe like two, three weeks ago, which I picked up again after not going to therapy for maybe like, I don't know, like five years or oh something like that. Oh, my gosh. I'm like such a therapy yeah, like, yeah, like advocate that I'm like, I can't even imagine. Yeah, yeah. And so I just I'm like. I need to like desahogarme, right? Like just release whatever energy is like not serving me. And so I found a really great therapist. I, I, so far she's great. Um, and so hopefully it'll be, I mean, not hopefully, I'm sure it will be extremely useful and helpful. Love it. I love it. You're, it's like you're, it feels like you've hit a stride and I don't know if you feel that way. But I think from the outside looking in, it feels like you hit a stride. It also feels like you speak about things that you know are challenges with like a sense of ease. Like it's the universe is going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like me putting any extra stress or fear or doubt into it is not going to help it resolve itself. And I don't know if that's like a, a front because sometimes we put those on. But it's like, or if it's like legit, like where you're at, but I just want to acknowledge that like I get that vibe and it's very reassuring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I think that every once in a while I tend to like get a little freaked out about something and think like, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. But for the most part, it's kind of like, like no big deal. Like it'll get solved, you know? So it's like trying to like 
there's been times where I'm like literally walking into a meeting or something and I feel all the anxiety of like, oh my gosh, you don't, you didn't like research enough or you didn't know this mm. enough or like you don't know your numbers well enough or whatever it may be. And then I literally take a second to be like, girl, you're tripping right now. You are so tripping. And then just like, let it go. It just like releases, you know? And so I, I think, you know, I try to practice that as much as possible so that it just doesn't manifest into anything bigger that it doesn't need to, you know? Right. I love that. Yeah. You have to, even that. just with such a busy life, it's finding those moments, right? And finding those things and ways to ground yourself, disconnect, to going back to like your, the roots of who you are um, and everything that you're doing. I just think it's so amazing. You know, just been a huge, we've been huge fans of everything that you do. Um, what are, what are, besides obviously the book, which is going to be huge this year, what are other plans for 2020? Do you have any, any set like resolutions, intentions, words? So my, my intention for the year is acceptance. And, and really I came to that word because I was like, I have to just be able to accept where I am because sometimes I'll like wake up and be like, okay, like today I'm going to try to do these like 10 million things. And I'm trying to like push this project forward and that one. And oh, I can't let that fall through the cracks. And you know, I'm just like always trying to like hurry up and get there. And it's coming back to like, accept where you are. Mm -hmm. And like, I've been trying to do like the five goals a day. Cause sometimes it's like 20 goals and it's like, yeah. then you feel like you didn't do enough. Yeah, it's like you those know, to do lists that are like 50 things. Mm -hmm. and Absolutely. I mean, you do three and you're already like, ah, yeah. yeah. So it's acceptance of that within myself and also acceptance of others and where they are because, um, you know, one thing that I was thinking about earlier is like, I was talking about like some of the self care things that I've been working on this year is like, I wouldn't be able to do a lot of those things if it weren't for my team. You know, mm. my team has like really stepped up in big ways, um, especially this year so far, just to like take over projects and run the business essentially. And so like a lot of this acceptance is also like accepting that they're going to do things in their own way, mm. you know, like it may not be exactly the way like Jocelyn would do this, but their way is still the right way, you know. And so it's like being accepting in that like this is a group effort now. It's not a Jocelyn effort. It's like there's several people and they care, too. Right. Um, and so it's just thinking about it in a different like frame of mind, I guess. That's beautiful. That's great. That's powerful. Yeah. Thank you so much for all of your work yes. and your Thank commitment you. to to making sure that we nourish ourselves, um, not just with the right food, but with the right like mentality and, yeah. and approach to life. And so we appreciate everything yeah. that you're doing and wish you continued, continued success. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Dude, I can't wait for my cookbook to come in. I know. I ordered mine. Me too. Yeah, yay. I pre-ordered. Um, and I'm, I'm also like, learned so much. I didn't know that pre-orders meant anything. So I'm like, okay, I will do that. Yeah, so make sure we all pre-order our books of like, our, I know. Our, the people that we want to support. Yes, most definitely. You know, I think what I love about Jocelyn is that she could have sort of just like kept it within herself. Like, okay, I'm going to cook healthier and change my diet for myself, for my health and for my dad and for my mom but the fact that it's like about access for the yeah. rest of the community is 
so dope. Yeah, and then it gets to one thing after another. It's like, well, let me do this, and it's it grows into something bigger. It yeah. grows into you know making sure that it becomes a book so yeah. that more people have access to it, not just like the area where she's going to be right. at. And also, you know, I did it. I, I I guess because I see we see so many restaurants and we we support so many people that have like restaurants. But damn, it's, it sounds so hard. Like Yo, so the hard food business for sure. Like it's like I could have this this great recipe book. I could have these great ideas, but damn all these regulations the funding the support and especially i feel i you know for people and women of color like how hard it must be for her to be in these spaces trying to you know make a point with what she's trying to with her product yeah no a thousand percent so it's it's really interesting to sort of get that behind the scenes right and and you it's one of those moments where I'm just like so proud because it's like this has been five years now that she's had this company and um, and it's grown and it's done so many so much amazing work and fed so many happy bellies out there. And then also and then you you know we see we see what she shares on her social media, but she is at a lot of events. Like she's a a hustler. She's a hustler. She's working all the time so even that drive that she has and being a part of all these other ventures to make sure Mm -hmm. that the community has this information because it's one thing to do a business and want to create capital for yourself and your team but then it's a completely uh you know other beast to be able to change the mindset and help out the community that that you come from most definitely you know and i think that that idea of you're not just doing it for yourself is also you know I think a lot of us have challenges with we maybe want to change our eating habits, but bringing our family into that yes. is really, really oh difficult. God. And especially if food is such a staple to your culture and to every single family gathering, Absolutely. like switching things up makes people really uncomfortable. But I think, you know, if people are like, oh, I'm an adventurous eater, then challenge them to be adventurous with something that's like plant based or yeah. something that is not going to be sacrificing on flavor, but maybe is going to be a little bit healthier for them in the long run. I think, you know, there's a movement nationally for like meatless Mondays. And I think if that's something that you can adopt and you have the means to do it, like at the very least starting with one day, because the reality is, is a lot of um, our food can kill us. And yes. as much as we don't want to admit it because it's so damn good. And it's part of our, yeah, it's and part, it's of, part like of the our, culture. The culture. If we don't start making these changes gradually and just sprinkling it in here and there, like we're not doing ourselves a service. And, you at know, that, and so much of us like want to do community work and want to help people yeah, out. It starts but at it, home. It starts at home. home. Um, so, you know, check out Todo Verde, uh, their Instagram page. Check out their website. Follow Jocelyn's journey and definitely if you can pick up the book and just try a, f- a few of the recipes. Trust me, Jarela and I will both vouch. It is bomb <laughs> the food. Bomb food. Like yes. you would never think that the those jackfruit carnitas are not pork. Like oh, damn, girl. Oh, so yummy. That ceviche, die for. To die for. Tasty. So good. I know. I can't wait to try and make it myself. <laughs> See how, <laughs> I don't know how. I mean, I'm, I'll probably just hang out with you. Be like, Jess, can we make this together? You know what? We will do. <laughs> that's okay, not, I'm that's challenging not. us. We're going to do a little um, cooking together. Okay. You and me. All we'll right. document it, y'all. <laughs> I'm we'll post it. Yes, we'll document it. We'll let you know how it all turns out. 
promise. Great idea. Yeah. Love it. There you go. Okay. And then we want you guys to, if you guys do any cooking challenges, you know, tag us, fill us in. I think that'd be super fun. Yeah. We'll be able to share it as well on our social media and yeah. it could be, and it's also just very in, in like support, you know, supporting one of our homegirls, supporting a woman of color, doing, doing her thing doing and helping us all thing. out. Yeah. Word, word. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us again on another episode of Wait Holds Up. You can follow us at Wait Holds Up Pod on Instagram and Facebook and send us an email yes send us an email wait hold the podcast at gmail.com or leave us a review on itunes uh yeah because we love reviews we need those reviews on itunes and um let us know what you think of the episodes on every platform that you listen to much love to y'all till next time bye, bye.